You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Sandy Almendares, Editor-in-Chief. Brought to you by Supply Side West. And welcome to a Supply Side West edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast. I am Sandy, and I am in the Phoenix office sitting with Connor Lovejoy, who is our editorial assistant. Hi, Connor. Hello. We are fresh back from Supply Side West Food Ingredients North America, (laughs) which was uh, last week in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay. So this was Connor's second time at the show. So he's still pretty new in the industry. That is correct. uh, What's your big takeaway from the the second time you've been there now that you kind of got your feet wet last year and now you, you knew what to expect? There were definitely a lot of big takeaways it's not it, it's not my first rodeo, but going into it, I still had that childlike sense of wonder because when you go and you walk into the expo hall and you're just surrounded by a completely different world, it's easy to get swept away. And I did get swept away. Oh, I love that. Supply yeah. Side West. Supply Come side get swept West. away in, in ingredients. <laughs> That's the tagline. <laughs> so um, you had several meetings on the trade show floor. You moderated mm-hmm. some education sessions. So we're going to talk trends on what you saw. Um, the first thing you saw is in this whole new delivery system category that we're seeing that where people are experiencing f- pill fatigue, um, et cetera. But you were looking at specifically innovation in capsules, which I find very interesting. So what did you see here? So there was just a ton of uh, postage, a ton of markings and you know displays uh, surrounding, I guess, the reimagining of the traditional pill. You know, like you said, I mean, pill fatigue, it's a real thing. Nobody wants to take pills. It's not sexy. You know, uh, gummies and everything have been innovated. But in terms of innovation for pills, something I did see was, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but it was a capsule that has two different parts to it. One contains liquid and the other contains a solid. Okay. So you can have two different, I guess, formulations in one pill. And uh, the markings on it was saying that it's like proprietary as well. It's like patented. So like nobody else can take it, which I find fascinating. I'm not sure how somebody hasn't thought of that already. (laughs) So could you, as a consumer, could a consumer see you inside the pill to see two different ingredients? So it's a good market differentiator as well. Um, and maybe it's for good for ingredients that um, go well together, but definitely don't formulate well together. So maybe in a consumer's mind, something that would, you know, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but, yeah. you know, maybe two anti-inflammatory ingredients or, or something. And that's they, exactly, they don't, I they, think that's exactly what they were going for. Well, <laughs> great. <laughs> you can fill in the blanks. Yeah. But uh, I thought that was fascinating. I had not seen that. And then also there was just a change in, in, in verbiage. Um that I saw with pills specifically, you know, everybody, of course, the biggest trend that I don't even have to talk about about Supply Side West, of course, is Mm -hmm. plant-based. That's taking over massively. But in terms of actual pills, what I saw was, you know how you classically see something like, uh, it'll say vegetarian, you know, that's always the big thing is they want to appeal to people in that plant-based sector. But now Mm -hmm. they're actually starting to use plant-based in the descriptions 
for their actual pills, mm-hmm. right? So I was talking from uh, to a representative from Cereo. That's exactly yeah, that's exactly what it was. They're essentially a one-stop shop for everything plant-based in terms of soft gels, gummies, everything pectin-free. And uh, the representative was talking about how Cereo kind of changed their mindset just one, after one day. I guess it just clicked that to market their pills as vegetarian, it's trying to go after a very specific consumer. Whereas saying plant-based, it's not, that's not exactly diet. That's more lifestyle. That's, Mm -hmm. that's talking about sustainability on top of all the other things that are associated with vegetarian. So it was just a shift in mindset. And I said, wow, you know, when I was talking to this representative, I said, said, um, are any other companies, you know, following the same, you know, trend, so to speak? And he said, yeah, you know, we're definitely not the first to, to change our outlook on what we can offer as a, as a service. So I was, I was totally surprised by that. Right. Well, it is a, a growing trend um, for people like you and me who do not eat meat. Um, <laughs> that we want we want to find yes. um, supplements that that also fill this. Exactly. We don't want to take gelatin um, made from cows or pigs. Pig we we yeah. want to take we you know we want um, our lifestyle choices to extend into the supplements that we take. And That's exactly what it even is. for those among us who do who do eat meat, they are looking for a more plant based diet. I mean, we see that in all of these meat analogs that are becoming more popular, but you know, it's not just for vegetarians. I mean, it's basically, you know, supplements that use meat-based ingredients fit one demographic, but plant-based ingredients can serve everybody. So it's broadening the market. It's a smart move. It's all encompassing. Absolutely. Seems like a, seems like a no brainer. So I'm glad that some companies are taking stock and saying, you know what, we're going to be part of this and we're going to, we're going to make sure it's accessible to everybody. Um, in terms of another trend that I did see, oh man, I, I love this, this trend. I don't even know if it's going to be a trend. It's probably going to be a bigger thing in the future, but just marketing product products and, you know, supplies towards, uh, esports. you know, so a lot of the representatives, uh, that I was talking to from, you know, the companies and stuff were talking about how they're creating ingredients for brands that are attempting to get into the esports market. Okay, so wait, step back. Esports. Yes, e-sports. For those of us mm-hmm. who are who do not play video games, what is it? What is an esport? Electronic sports is essentially the the competition of video games. Okay. And it's it's the whole vibe around it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's all it's it's all sorts of things. It's like um, competitions for a certain video game. It also goes into the individual person that plays the game. You know, because it requires a lot of, well, I mean, I'll get into that later, but it goes for the individual and then it also goes for like streamers and stuff too, people who are watched by a lot of people playing a game, but you know, the person watching isn't necessarily playing. Um, So the esports market, it's huge, it's untapped. A lot of the representatives were saying very similarly that, you know, it reminds me a lot of like, or it reminds them a lot of the early supplement industry and that it was... You know, it was a little uncertainty, yet there was still a lot of potential and a lot of promise. And they're seeing that same thing from this esports market. So the way that they're trying to get into it is they're creating products, they're creating ingredients that are not necessarily just to make somebody um, energized, you know, primarily caffeine and stuff. They're creating products to sharpen somebody mentally because when you're playing a video game it's not just so much about your reaction speed how fast you can you know process everything it's also down to how well you can focus the entire time because a lot of these sports 
a lot of these sorry games that are in, in esports are very long games. I'm talking like one match lasting, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. So you need to be focused throughout the whole the whole thing. Um, so it's not just simple caffeine. It's not just simple energy. It's also reimagining what you. It's it's reimagining how how much help somebody needs during it. If that makes any sense. So I uh, ended up meeting with a representative from Omni Active, and they were talking about how they also want to get into the esports realm, and that you know the brands that they're supporting want to get into it. And one ingredient that they classically have, very popular ingredient, Loot Max 2020. Uh, it is essentially it's a product geared towards eye health, but the way that they described it, the way that this representative described it, is it's not simply eye health because your eyes are a gateway into the brain. Mm-hmm. So this product i think it's derived from lutein mm-hmm. right so it's supposed to help your eye your your reaction speed for your eyes which then goes into your brain and helps your brain's reaction speed as well they told me a very interesting story so one of the scientists that is at their company okay started taking this product here loop max 2020 and uh one th- test that they did was they looked at fluorescent lights so normally Without this, you would not be able to see that fluorescent lights flicker constantly, right? But you don't see it with your naked eye. After taking this for, I think it was like a week or something like that, he looked at the fluorescent light and saw it blinking in real time. Wow. Fascinating. And then I thought, oh my goodness, that's a no-brainer to be in esports just because it allows you to focus, you know what I mean? Um, I was just taken aback by that. I absolutely love the idea. That is, that is quite amazing, right? Um, so you were also uh, the moderator of several of our education workshops. <laughs> I love your enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of the takeaways there. First, let's cover colors and flavors. So I had colors, uh, colors and flavors, superheroes of uh, product success. One of the trends that I saw with that, I had like four different speakers in that session, but the biggest thing that I took away which was spearheaded by Susie Bataraco mm-hmm. uh, from Culinary Tides Incorporated. Um, she was talking about how uh, colors nowadays, trend-wise, are not specifically driven by what the color color is. They're kind of driven by nostalgia. They're driven by location. You know, a lot of the comp- a lot of the colors that you're seeing coming out now have like a specific place associated with them, like Chesapeake Bay orange or uh, uh, Mumbai, you know, green or whatever. It's a, it's, a, it's essentially a way to, it's a way to be a tourist, a global tourist, without having to leave the comfort of your own home. And uh, colors, colors and flavors that have specific geographical, you know, descriptors to them are becoming more popular than, say, a simple toned red. So in my uh, session, of course, uh, Tom Bierheil from Anova Market Insights. Uh, he essentially was corroborating all the stuff that Susie was already talking about, that uh, a lot of the market trends that they're seeing, you know, through the surveys that they do as a company, uh, that, yeah, a lot of ge- geographic location is always at the first, <laughs> is always uh, before the color. So, I don't know, it, it was fascinating that people, because of course, the, of course this research 
is driven by what consumers are asking for. Mm-hmm. And consumers are asking for a more personalized experience with their colors and, and flavors. They want to be taken on this trip. So to just play back into what Susie was talking about, Tom corroborated it. Right. That's so interesting, right? And it's more of a, if it's if it's nostalgia and if it's yeah. like something that you're feeling in your heart, you know, it's, it's more of a... Um, you're more willing to get to something, even if you don't understand on the surface why you want to gravitate towards this specific color. Yeah, subliminally. Yeah, subliminal. There we exactly. go. That's the word I'm looking for. Sure um, of... Which is like, I mean, <laughs> yes. if you can, you know, the ethical reasons behind it, I'm sure, but if you can like get to a consumer subliminally, like you're going to definitely win a loyalty there that um, they don't even know that they, you know, that they have those strong ties. So I agree. That's really fascinating. Uh, so you were also moderating the co-packers workshop. That's right. So my co-packer session, I had three different speakers, loved every minute of it. And the one trend I got from every single one of them was that uh, their presentations didn't necessarily have to do with like providing guidelines on how to choose a co-packer and all these other things. It was more, you know, I don't want to say doom and gloom, but it was more like uh, providing examples of what companies or brands have done uh, incorrectly in the past and ways that you can make sure right. that going forward you don't make those same mistakes. So ways to ways to avoid um, exactly. other um, issues. And so let's just take a step back. So Copebackers are companies that food brands, food and beverage brands partner with to help create their products, right? So exactly. just because you have a, your product on the label does not necessarily mean that you are the company that owns the equipment that made that bakery item or that beverage right so there are several co-packers in the industry that you can contract all of the formula well not necessarily all of the formulation but they work with you to create the formulation of the product and then they do all the processing and and development and and actually creation of your product so you can send those out to customers so this relationship is obviously very very important um you know it's basic it's a separate company but it's basically the manufacturing arm of your business Um, so you need to have a very great solid relationship you need to be able to trust them completely you need to be open and honest even with your proprietary information that you don't want your competitors to know Um, they all they in turn need to share all that information with you so in case fda comes and asks how you're following fisma the food safety modernization act guidelines you need to be able to have all that information readily available. So um, very important uh, partnership, but of course there could be pitfalls, which is what I'm sure they covered in your session. Am I wrong there? No, no, you're absolutely correct, man. You killed it. What a perfect description of co-packing. You could have been at my session, one of the speakers. (laughs) Uh, but no, exactly. So Greg Miller from Rifkin Radler, he was, uh, he's been a litigation lawyer for years and years. He's been in the business a long time and he did a really good presentation on how he is the, uh, how did he even call himself? What did he even call himself? He's the catastrophe lawyer, right? He's supposed to be there to make sure that you don't make the mistakes that land you in, in legal hot water, you know, in the future and, and making sure that contracts have, the exact stipulations that you need and, and and making sure that all these different inevitabilities are covered because he said, you know, it's a lot easier for a co-packer to bail on you and say, you know, hey, this wasn't in the contract, you know, there's no way, <laughs> there's no way fans or butts about it. It happens a lot more than, than what people think. So he was just going, he was just talking about how he's seen so many things as a lawyer and so many different uh, mistakes from brands and companies and stuff uh, that 
it's it's easier to correct it than you think as well. So um, a lot of misconceptions. It's easier to do it than you think, and it's also there's a lot more problems you can make. But the bottom line is the trend from the session is there are a lot of mistakes that brands and companies make with choosing a co-packer. That's why it is so incredibly important to make sure that everything is covered before you do it. And I wish I had more from the session, but there are so many different details that every single speaker touched on that are important if you're trying to choose a co-packer. Right. So I guess the takeaway is, thing. is to get help if you get need help. it. If you don't, if you've yes. never done this before, get help. <laughs> uh, use attorneys or uh, consultants or whatever you need. It's not a bad thing to ask for help. Absolutely. Because there are so many different people out there that can do it and help you. Well, thank you so much, Connor. I'm so glad that you were able to attend Supply Side West for the second year. Oh, I loved um, it. And I really appreciate you coming back to talk about your takeaways. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. This edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast is brought to you by Supply Side West, 